All right, time to bring on our guest for the week. And she's already making an impact in the indie film scene and has appeared on numerous television uh, television series. And her newest project is an upcoming HBO film adaptation of the Tony Award-winning play All the Way, set to premiere on May 21st. We'd like to welcome to the podcast Hillary Ward. Hillary, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. It's great. Thank you for having me. And it's kind of uh, interesting. So most of our listeners know that we pre-record these interviews and record the podcast at a later time. So um, you know, when we record, it's Sunday, but we're actually talking to you on Thursday. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think this is the first time, which I guess is good for us normally, but this is the first time that we're actually uh, speaking to someone after the same day, I guess, as, as losing a legend like Prince, which is uh, kind oh of interesting. Oh, my gosh. And I know yeah, I had seen I, uh, from your Twitter uh, that you're a big fan as well, oh. which how can you not be, really? Yeah. I just, um, you know, because I was a pretty little kid when Purple Rain came out, but I had cousins who were five or six years older than me, and um, I would, you know, hang out with them in the summer, and they would be playing this music. But when Prince came on, I was like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> I just right away just knew it was special and uh yeah, I've been a huge fan of his ever since and um was fortunate enough to see him in concert gosh probably 15 years ago um oh, wow. he, I can only imagine he just in, he is incredible I think in a in a way that it's hard to describe until you see him perform live cuz he's just everywhere he, he plays right. every instrument he's dancing he's singing he's just incredible i've yeah, heard so i keep talking about him in the present tense like it just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't feel real yeah. yeah well i've heard like his concerts yeah. uh, have been uh, like they're pretty much like a non-stop party i mean it's just yeah. a party until you just can't party anymore and then which to me seems incredible and and you had mentioned you know uh purple rain was the one thing that you know really drew you into it and that's that seems to be the yeah. general consensus is that there's been just one song or something and it's usually the first song they've heard of prince mm-hmm. and it, it's just a, such a unique sound that it just draws yeah. you in absolutely absolutely and then yeah i just i had to get my hands on more um and <laughs> i just picked up my thing from preschool so because of course i've been playing it all day long and uh i you know we got in the car and and purple rain was on and i looked in the rearview mirror and he was in this car seat bobbing his head i was like yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean he's <laughs> the indoctrination continues <laughs> he, he's, he's such a prolific artist and i know we posted this on our page a little bit earlier today too when you know when everybody else was posting uh, it's just yeah he was such a prolific artist that I can't. T- I don't think I can name one person of anybody that I know who doesn't have Prince in their playlist. Oh yeah, you know, sure. one way or another. Sure. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's mm-hmm. one of the few art uh, artists musically, or really any kind of artist, but one of the few where he's really one of a kind, like truly one of a kind. There's mm-hmm. nobody mm-hmm. else like him. And then we actually another yeah. one of a kind artist, David Bowie, passed away this earlier this year. So I mean, it's crazy. I, uh... Yeah, I, I'm I'm really um, over 2016 taking away these amazing people. And the other and the thing about Bowie and Prince that just blows my mind too is that they were both making art until the very last moment. I mean, yeah. they just they never stopped. I just as an artist, that's so inspiring to me. 
um, I, I hope that I will be living my life that way, that, you know, until my last breath that I'm, I'm making the things that I love to make, making art, making it, telling a story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think he did a concert even as early as last week. I had heard. Yeah, he did. Down down in Georgia, something like that. North Carolina. Yeah, like after he had the flu or something. I mean, it's just it's yeah. amazing. And, and yeah. I mean, a, a lot of people got a taste, you know, if you didn't get to see him yeah, at an actual concert, got a taste of it for the Super Bowl, which I had heard Billboard ranked, oh, I think, the best Super yeah. Bowl halftime show of all time. And it really so was great. And I think, if I remember correctly, I think it actually rained during Purple Rain. It did. When he was performing. It did. It, which is kind of and surreal. And the best thing about it is that uh, he fully kept on his do-rag so he wouldn't mess up his hair, which I just love so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I think even I ranked that as probably one of my favorite halftime shows as well. Oh, yeah, it's especially just... after the Janet oh, yeah. Jackson thing, they kind of toned it down. That was uh-huh, definitely in the past, like, uh-huh. 20 years or so. That was had to be the best one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could just tell... somebody huh? who could stand up and play, you know? He yeah. doesn't need... He didn't need all of the theatrics. He can just stand up and... His music, his voice, his virtuosity just spoke for itself. Yeah. I mean, and you can tell, you know, just how much an artist like him was loved just by the outpouring of support that has come out since then. Oh, yeah. I mean, so many tweets mm-hmm. from so many people. Um, Eric Clapton, Questlove, I know, is one that, uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I really stuck out to me as well, too. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and obviously it's, it's a big loss, but you had mentioned, you know, you wish that you could keep producing art and such. So, uh you know, yeah, moving on to, you know, as we had mentioned, as Adam had mentioned in the intro, your your next project, your upcoming project is the HBO film adaptation of All the Way, which was a play and and a stage show. And uh, I'm curious, did were you familiar with the play before taking on the role or had even had a chance to see it on stage? I had not had a chance to see it. I was familiar with it. Um, My background is actually in theater. I have a master's of fine arts in theater. And so uh, I know a lot of people in the community where the play was developed um, are with uh, uh, Oregon Shakespeare Festival, which is up in Ashland. And so a lot of that original cast were actually people that I had known from L.A. or from my time in New York. Um, I wasn't able to see it in New York. I heard that it was, you know, wonderful. And of course, Brian Cranston won the Tony for it. Um, so when I saw that they were making an, an adaptation of it, I just went to Sam French and picked up a play just to, to read it. I figured it was going to be getting done a lot because it had won all these awards. I wasn't even thinking about the possibility of me playing this, I, this iconic role. I just was thinking, oh, this would be a good thing for me to know about. I'm sure it'll come up around yeah. the country in regional theaters, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, it looks, just from what, and I'm sure you're obligated to say it looks good, but just from <laughs> watching the trailer, <laughs> it looks really good. I mean, it, it almost looks yeah. like a theatrical film uh, to a point. See, I, my, one of my first days on set, actually before I was shooting, I had to come in several times because, uh, you know, we're doing period hair and period costumes. So there were a series of fittings for all of those items. And um, while I was waiting around, I, you know, wandered down to the soundstage. And my first day there, Brian Cranston was probably 10 feet away from me. And I didn't even realize it was him until he started talking because they had just, I mean, he had absolutely transformed himself. The 
the makeup that they did is extraordinary. And just he changed his entire physicality. It was really oh, he, he looks a joy just, to watch yeah, that. He I know. looks just like LBJ. It's, it's uncanny. The, the hair, I'm telling you, all of the departments, but I, I especially credit the hair and makeup and wardrobe team on the project. They were incredible. Um, it, it, just to, it, every detail was about, and um, it was it was such a great tool as an actor to be able to walk in. I would walk into the trailer and get, you know, I started calling my wig Corey. I would get Corey on and <laughs> get my my eyebrows on and my lip, and I was like, okay, I feel I feel like Coretta. They yeah, were, I, they were yeah I was gonna wonderful. say I should probably I, I missed this in the intro, but you're playing Coretta Scott King, the wife of Martin yes, Luther King yes. Jr., who's played by Anthony Mackie, and he's. Even he's like a he's one who you know if, if anybody watches the Captain America movies or you know, any of his movies he's oh, yeah. usually a pretty joking guy and this is a pretty serious role for him and he actually you know he's a good actor so he looks like he definitely pulls it off. Oh yeah, he was wonderful. Um, most of my scenes were with Anthony and he, uh, you know, he's he's such a great guy. Uh, so much fun and really uh, joking around and and keeping the extra spirits up and all of that in between takes. But when it was time to work, he was all about work and obviously, you know, took a lo- did a lot of research, took a lot of pride in in the job and um and I think everybody's going to be really knocked out by his performance. It's beautiful. Yeah. D- did he give you guys all free tickets to go see Captain America: Civil War? <laughs> <laughs> Darn it! I should have asked her. <laughs> it's not too late. Um, but I, I know um, I was kind of curious where you grew up because I, I had read that you know you actually have a little bit you know this kind of type of film with civil rights and everything kind of hits home with you a little bit. It does. I I grew up in Indiana, but um, my family is all from the South. My specifically on my mother's side of the family, we still have a lot of people down in northern Mississippi. And, um, yeah, that's when my my family in particular, my great-grandmother and great-grandfather, um, they did a lot in the community. They had a, um, a, a college to educate black students. My grandmother was a master, my great-grandmother was a master gardener, and um, they started a community college down in their little town in northern Mississippi where they lived, educated black students and um, my grandmother was a master gardener who was teaching black people better techniques for getting higher yields and so she actually got threatened by the Klan. Um, my wow. uncle, my great uncle, her son, um, the way he put himself on the map, um, William Raspberry, was by covering the Watts riots. Um, so it's always been the civil rights, the you know, slavery, Jim Crow, it's, it's definitely been part of my family's history and dealing with it has been part of their history. And, um, yeah, my great grandmother, she carried around her voting card until the day she died. And, and, uh, she was to 109, but she wasn't able to vote for the first time until 1975. That's crazy. Kind of unbelievable. Yeah. yeah that is nuts. I mean, like, you know, 10 years after the action of, this play or this film you know yeah it's just it's amazing yeah these kind of movies and and uh tv movies and all that like these really interest me because you know when um selma came out 
that would really interest me. Mm-hmm. Just because personally, you know, I'm a 29 year old white male. Like I have no knowledge of what adversity is really like, other than like maybe the closest thing I have to adversity is paying back my student loans. And I mean, it, yeah. like it doesn't it doesn't even compare to some of the stuff these people went through. So like this this kind of thing really interests me. Yeah, I think it's. I, I love that this film is coming out in an election year too. Um, you know, this has been a pretty tumultuous, you know, year and a half and we're not done. But when you are able just to see what people went through for this simple act of being able to vote, it's really hard for me to understand how people wouldn't take advantage of the chance to vote now. Right. So the, there's a lot of uh, just apathy out there. Um, and when you realize people quite literally put their bodies on the line in order to just have this the simple, just to you know, accomplish the simple act of voting, um, I think it's good to be reminded. And um, you know, I think about this all the time. But my that thing, great grandmother, she remembers bouncing up and down on her grandmother's feather bed and her grandmother had been a slave so it's someone who I knew in my life who I would go to her house every summer now granted she was to a very ripe old age but still someone that I knew was directly connected to slavery so these things aren't that far away they kind of just happened right. yeah. <laughs> um, and I think sometimes we need to be reminded of it so I'm so grateful for this project and I, I really think it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's almost timing wise. It's, <clears throat> it's, uh, you know, another event you know, we talked about Prince obviously, cause that's something that's kind of current, but also yeah. kind of current that I think would almost tie into this was the recent announcement also about Harriet Tubman is yeah. going to be on the $20 bill. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, and forgive me if I'm, if I'm wrong on this, but I mean, to me, they kind of, they kind of go hand in hand a little bit. I mean, that's, that's a big step, at least in my opinion, you know, that something like this I is agree. happening. Yes, I agree. I, I mean, it's, it's incredible that I think I read somewhere that $20 was the exact amount that Tubman was paid for her service during the Civil War. And now to be on that piece of currency that we all use every day, I just I think it's coming full circle, and it, the symbol of it is really important. Yeah, I mean, and I know, like, uh, obviously, with with social media and everybody having a voice, obviously there are people that are against this, and there are people that are highly in favor of it. I, I mean, some of those uh, aforementioned presidential candidates, which yes. I won't <laughs> mention. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, in my in my opinion, it's. Uh, I'm I'm actually very pleased that it's happening. Like I mentioned, this is a big step in, in this. And if you ask me, a lot of those people who are against this couldn't have even told you who was on the twenty dollar bill before this, anyway. <laughs> oh, I know you're probably right. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I don't get why they're making such a big deal out of it, other than just to have something to make a big deal out of. Yeah. 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 So, um, but I mean, uh, you know, I, I I personally myself, I don't. Um, I don't have uh, I don't have cable, but I do use digital platforms such as HBO, um, HBO, oh, Go, HBO Go, and such like that because I'm a big fan of the HBO films. And it, uh, you know, I didn't honestly watch the trailer to this until 
today. I knew they were making, you know, I knew they made this movie, and I, I, I actually, the stage show was something I wanted to see too because I'm a big Brian Cranston fan. Um, mm-hmm. But watching the trailer today, as Adam said already, the movie looks amazing. I honestly cannot wait until this movie is released. But you know, this movie has such an amazing cast to it outside of obviously Brian Cranston, yourself, Anthony Mackie, um, Bradley Woodford, Stephen Root, Melissa Leo, uh, Melissa Leo, mm-hmm. Frank Langella, Joe Morton. There's so many great characters uh, playing people that obviously that we know, um, you know, from history. And when it comes to films like this that are biopics and they're telling a tale, obviously we know that some characters didn't interact with others. So you can't obviously put that in the film. Sure. Can't force that to happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious out of, everybody that's in this film, what cast members did you interact with the most? Obviously, Anthony Mackie. Um, yes, primarily. But, and because, you know, uh, my, I, but it was crazy because my first day of shooting, I get my call sheet and um, I'm looking at the call sheet and it's, you know, reading the time I'm supposed to be there. And the other people who, who are called for the day are Brian Cranston, Melissa Leo, Frank Langella, Stephen Root, Anthony Mackie, Bradley Whitford. And I kind of had a moment of like, what? What, <laughs> what am I doing on this stage with these people? Because <laughs> I, you know, I've just admired them all for so long. And, um, but, and so that very first day of shooting was a, was a large group scene. And, um, the, you know, the thing about the, the play and I think the film is that so much of it is really concentrated on the men. They were the ones who were out in front, who were taking on the leadership in a public way, yet the women in their lives were so vital to keeping them motivated, to keeping them focused, and to um, being the people that they didn't, that the men didn't have to um, put on a brave face with if that makes any sense. Yeah. And so I was so that very first day of shooting, um, it just so happens the way that the scene was blocked that Melissa Leo and I ended up being kind of close in proximity to each other. And so it wasn't scripted, but we ended up finding this moment where Coretta and Lady Bird were able to connect having watched their husband's, pull off this pretty amazing thing of getting um, the the Voting Rights Act passed. Um, so, you know, there were a lot of little gems in there that I thought like, oh man, this is, this is so much more than what it looked like it was going to be on the page because I'm ending up in scenes with all of these wonderful people. But yes, but primarily it's my, my interaction was with Anthony and uh, very joyfully so. He's He's a great actor and just a lovely guy and such a good scene partner. So supportive. Yeah. I'm sure you got to meet a lot of the other cast though, as well, even though you weren't oh, working yeah. with them on stage. Yeah. So anybody yeah. who really stayed, I... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask, I mean, if there was anybody who really just kind of stood you out, uh, stood out to you as being, I mean, just like, I don't want to say an amazing actor. Cause I think everybody in this film is, is an amazing actor. Um, or, or actress, but I mean, I guess uh, just like a somebody who blew you away as a person. Uh, it's a weird yeah. question. Yeah, but... <laughs> no, I I know what you mean though, <laughs> um, because yeah, and and every it's it's interesting being in film because um, so much of your preparation is very private, and then you just 
show up. Um, so, so we'd be, you know, goofing around in the makeup trailer or, you know, in between takes or whatever. And then, you know, you see the cameras go on and these people just completely transform. I mean, wait till you see Bradley Whitford. It, it doesn't even look like him. Oh, I the, didn't even recognize him in the trailer oh. the first time. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so amazing. But honestly, I have to say just as, you know, having worked with Anthony the most, um, I told this story a couple of times, but there was a night that the day had just not been going well. And, um, you know, things were slow. They were behind. They were having trouble getting the shots. And uh, it was a big crowd scene, a lot of extras. And the extras had to all go and be redressed in different costumes and come back for a different scene. And they had been on set over 12 hours at this point. They were really tired and hungry. And um, we're filming this group scene. Anthony goes up. He's giving a speech. He just he like knocks it out. He's great. And then they have to turn the cameras around to be on me, and I'm in the crowd with the rest of the crowd. And um, they were just they were done. I mean, I think a guy in my shot was actually asleep. <laughs> so it was not going well. And the poor AD is trying to like get the people motivated to you know just get the shot done. And Anthony just did this wonderful thing. He stood up, he he went up on the podium, and he just gave everybody this big pep talk and got them laughing, got them up on their feet and stretching and goofing around. And then the cameras went, my coverage was done, we were able to get it in two takes, and I just thought, wow, that is really generous, because I think... There are a lot of actors out there that just wouldn't be worried about the project or the whole as a whole, or wouldn't be worried that you know another actor's scenes weren't weren't getting good coverage, weren't being covered well. But right. Anthony really, you know, took care of the project. He took care of me. I was really grateful for that. Yeah, um, I know another thing that I'm very curious about when it comes to this because obviously this is a true story, and uh, you know you've done a lot of other work in television and things like that. But I mean, this is you're playing a real life person this time as opposed to some a character that's written. Uh, did that make you nervous going into this project? Because you you have to portray this person, you know, in the proper way. Yeah, I understand what you mean. I. It's funny, the, the nerves really came up more when I was auditioning for her because I felt like I could play her to play her so badly. Um, but, you know, you, it just it doesn't always go your way. And, um, gosh, I auditioned several times. So maybe it was my second or third time I was walking, you know, from my car up to the office to, to have the the director session with Jay and I felt the butterflies kind of fly up and I thought, you know what, Hillary, this is a chance for you to really honor her humanity. Cause I think it's very easy to think of these people as icons, but she was a real woman with struggles and joys and, <laughs> and um, you know, ambitions and thoughts and feelings. And so once I was able to get the focus off of what it meant for me and start thinking about how maybe I could be a little piece in um, helping to honor her legacy, then I didn't feel nervous. I just felt really excited and yeah. really so grateful to get to get to play her. Yeah. 
Um, I know we're running a little short on time and we're going to wrap things up pretty quickly. But before we let you go, um, I, I did want to ask uh, or, or I did want to ask you to tell us a little bit more about the work you do with uh, with chalk repertory. Oh, that's my baby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I uh, <laughs> I have a master's in fine arts, like I said, from UCSG. And um, when I got out of school, me and several other alums from the program were hanging out. I came out of school right when the writer strike hit. So uh, we were all raring to go, and then the town shut down a little bit. And um, we thought, man, we should be working. And we were able to be connected with Jay Boileau, who is um, the events coordinator over at Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And they have this beautiful space in the Sonic Lodge at the cemetery. And um, we said, hey, we're going to do a play here. We're going to do a checkoff play. We're going to do, we're going to cast it with the diversity that reflects L.A., and um, we're going to spend as much money as we can on people instead of on stuff, uh, because we just had this philosophy that we didn't want to spend our limited resources on sets and costumes. We wanted to spend money on artists. And so we found this beautiful venue and put the play on, and it was a huge success, and that's kind of how we started. Um, so that's been our philosophy, things or people over things. Um, we work site specifically or in spaces that we feel like can illuminate the place. So we've worked at mm. Librea Carpets. We've worked in people's living rooms. We've worked at uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Um, we've worked at Neutra Museum and Gallery in, in Silver Lake, all over all over LA. Um, and uh, we've grown now. There were five of us, five women who started the company and now we've grown to 10 people that are permanent company members and we're still producing three to four times a year. And, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely that place that, um, that has nothing to do with the business in the best way. And we can all just get together and work on a piece that we really love just, for the sake of doing it. Yeah. That's fantastic. And we don't uh, need to make a living on it. Which yeah. Is obviously we, yeah. we hope that keeps growing for you like it is. Cause that sounds Thank you. obviously like really great opportunity. And, and I know it's a few Thank weeks you. away, but we'll definitely remind people um, to watch all the way May 21st on HBO at uh, 8 PM. In the meantime, while they're waiting for May 21st, they can follow you on Twitter at Hillary Ward. Yes, and that's, me on <laughs> that's one <laughs> L in Hillary, not two L. So and you forgot the LA. L-A- oh yeah. Did I, yeah. Did I say L-A- that? L-A- oh, I might yeah. have missed it. At <laughs> LA Hillary Ward. Sorry. Somebody, somebody scooped up my handle before I, I joined the Twitterverse. <laughs> it always <laughs> happens. Now see if they had your mantra, uh, if they had your mantra of people over things, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So. I see. Right. I know. Sorry. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll also put the, uh, the handle in our description to the podcast. Thank so you. in case they Appreciate missed that. my explanation of why I messed it up, uh, they can do that. So, <laughs> but, uh, we'll let you get going. Hillary, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks guys. And, it was uh, fun to talk to you. We'll be right back with more of the showcast after this. <laughs> 